You don't know flag. You Don't Know Flat, a podcast full of stories about retro gaming, retro computing, video games, arcade games, and technology from a guy who was there and still is. My name is Rob O'Hara, but for the next 30 minutes, you can call me Flat. Episode 208, Serial. Greetings and salutations, listeners, and welcome to another episode of You Don't Know Flack. Today is September 10th, 2011, and I am your host, Rob Flack O'Hara. On today's episode of You Don't Know Flack, we will be talking about breakfast cereal. But I want to give everybody some time to go fix a bowl of cereal and come in and join the show. So, uh, fortunately... I've stored the notes on my C64 Mini, or is it on the Maxi? I don't remember. I'm going to have to check and see which computer I stored my podcast notes on. So while I dig for those, and while you get some cereal, that'll give us a few minutes to chat during this week's Loading Time. Loading Time. Loading Time. Loading Time. Welcome back to another episode of You Don't Know Flack. Uh, right off the bat, I always want to mention that this show is now being broadcast as a video as well as audio. So if you'd like to watch the video of the You Don't Know Flack podcast, you could go to youtube.com forward slash SpriteCastle. You'll find uh, all my my video podcasts for You Don't Know Flack and lots of other stuff is starting to, to trickle in there. So if you like video, if you're a YouTube person, if you're a YouTuber, is that what we say? <laughs> I don't know what to say. The show will not ever be on TikTok. I'm sad to say. <laughs> I'm too old for TikTok, but I am uh, just the right age for YouTube. So if you want to watch, uh, and there's lots of uh, pictures and slideshows of the things uh, that I'm talking about. So if, if that interests you, then go over to youtube.com forward slash Sprite Castle. And you can watch this episode of You Don't Know Flack. For all my other content, for my uh, C64 gaming content, that is over at youtube.com forward slash Amigos Retro Gaming. There are now two playlists there for me. One is Sprite Castle Plays, and the other one is Sprite Castle Podcast. So if you want to see my Sprite Castle video content, go over to youtube.com forward slash Amigos Retro Gaming. So what's been going on in my life over the past couple of weeks? Well, I celebrated a birthday. I'm still hovering underneath that 50-yard uh, line, but only a couple more years to go. Uh, and it was also my 26th wedding anniversary. Can you believe that? It's unbelievable to me that I have spent half of my life married and it has been we all like the jokes we all like the um, old lady jokes and the ball and chain and that sort of thing but i i gotta tell you getting married uh was the best thing that ever happened to me i married a woman who is as uh, smart as i am and as funny as i am and uh loves adventure as much as i do so we've had a great uh 26 years and uh, we are still doing fun things every single day uh, over uh, the same weekend, my birthday and my anniversary on the same weekend. And so during that weekend, we took a road trip to Kansas City, Missouri. 
and we got to uh, eat at we ate at a restaurant called the Ship, which is uh, the entire interior of the restaurant was done like a pirate ship. That was very cool. Uh, we ate uh, some fun breakfast. We went to a bookstore. We did all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, if you're looking at the video version. You can see that we stayed in an old Airstream trailer that had been modified to be a permanent Airbnb. The people that owned it put a roof over it in their backyard and uh, built a giant wooden deck. They put chairs and couches, outdoor furniture out there, and even a, a two-person hot tub. So we had a, a really great, fun weekend hanging out there. Uh, I've talked many times about my desire to try out staying in a tiny house. Now, listen. If you've listened to this podcast and if you know me at all, you know that the thought of me downsizing and moving into a tiny house is unrealistic. As my wife likes to say, I would need 10 tiny houses, <laughs> like a, a train uh, pulling many tiny houses to put all of my collectibles and toys and, and computers and stuff in. So uh, at no point will I ever really live in a tiny house, but I do find the whole movement fascinating. And so this gave us a little bit of a taste of what it might be like to live in a tiny house. This little Airstream trailer had been converted. There was a bed in the back, a couch in the front, and in between the two, there was a kitchen and a bathroom. And uh, I, I kind of told this story a few times, but uh, at one point when, well, when we woke up in the morning, we had to do this uh, jigsaw puzzle or more like one of those sliding tile puzzles um, because my wife needed to get to the bathroom, but I needed to get to the sink, but she couldn't get to the sink because my CPAP was hooked up and the wires were stretched across where she needed to go. But I needed to get to the bedroom to get to my clothes or the, the bed to get to my clothes, but her clothes were on the couch. And so it became <laughs> this very, uh, choreographed dance where I had to move here. She had to move there. I had to do this. She had to do that. I had to move here and do this. She had to do that. So I don't really know that, uh, uh, when I got back, I said, you know what? I got it out of my system. I don't want to stay in a tiny house anymore. But this wasn't really a tiny house. This was a trailer that had been made to to feel like a tiny house. So I feel like it's not quite out of my system yet. But, uh, uh, but who knows? Uh, one of the things that we got to do while we were there, and as I'm looking at the uh, slideshow, I can see that this picture is actually upside down. So uh, we're going to have to fire the uh, producer of the show. Uh, one of the things we got to do was go to the Glore Psychiatric Museum, which is in St. Joseph, Missouri. It's located just north of Kansas City, Missouri. Um, the, uh, Glore Psychiatric Museum is on the grounds of a, um, I guess you would call it a mental hospital. The original name of it was the State Lunatic Asylum Number no. 2. <laughs> that was the original name. And they've turned a wing of this place into a museum. And let me tell you, I, uh, I find, uh, mental health uh, in general, mental illness, uh, I think a lot of people did, you know, as younger, you find it an interesting topic. Uh, there are things about, you know, schizophrenia and, and psychosis that are interesting to read about. And I know that we have made many strides over the past several decades in treating mental illness. In some ways, I think we've gone backwards. Um, but, you know, going through this, it was these people, many of these people were in hell. I mean, it was just... Uh, seeing uh, the, 
treatments. You know, they had all these things from all the way back to the early 1900s on display. They had, um, you know, electronic shock machines that you could see. They had an entire wing dedicated to lobotomies. This, uh, there were more than 200 lobotomies were performed at this location. Uh, they had, you know, on display these, uh, they called them, I think, calming chairs, which were wheelchairs that had straps for arms and legs and, and waists to uh, put people in and, and uh, holes in the bottom. So if they went to the restroom, it would drain out the bottom. I mean, just really, really uh, inhumane and, and horrible things. And I, I think some uh, treatments were in the right place, but a lot of these people were dumped off. And, uh, you know, the, the goal was just to keep these people alive just to keep them there. Um, one of the, the things that I learned was that uh, prior to around the 1970s, the goal wasn't to treat the cause of any mental illness, but the goal was to treat the symptoms. So, uh, for example, if someone was walking around talking to themselves or, or talking incoherently, uh, the goal would be to tape their mouth up. <laughs> to make them stop talking. It wasn't to treat whatever was going on inside their, their mind, whether it's a chemical or a uh, chemical imbalance or, or, uh, you know, some sort of, uh, uh, you know, therapeutic thing. It wasn't to treat that. It was to treat the people talking, you know? Uh, and, and for a lot of those things, they said that a lot of the mentally ill people had bad teeth. And there was a theory that, uh, perhaps that, uh, the, uh, um, you know, infections in their mouth was affecting their mind. And so if anybody got uh, infected teeth, they immediately pulled their teeth out. I mean, it's just terrible, terrible things. And so it really makes you just, uh, it, it was very educational and I love museums like that. Um, but it was very heart wrenching too. You know, I mean, going down to the, the morgue area in the basement and seeing, you know, the numbers over 2,500 people passed away uh, while, while staying in the, uh, uh, in, in the, uh, psychiatric ward, you know, it was just, just really terrible. So I, I do enjoy learning about things like that in history just because, um, uh, uh, you know, they do say that history repeats itself. And the more you know about history, the more you can prevent things from, uh, happening again. And unfortunately, one of the things that, that we learned while going through the museum was that, uh, there's been a huge shift from psychiatric hospitals. I mean, a lot, the, I won't say the majority, but most, well, maybe the majority, have been closed down because the shift has been that these people uh, with mental illness or whatever will eventually be caught up in the legal system. And so that is now how they deal with them is in jail. And so it was really, um, really just an eye-opening kind of thing. The picture that I shared uh, was for their having a lock-in where people could go and I think they're having uh, or they were having some group of one of those uh, from television, like the ghost hunters. And because apparently, you know, there's always rumors that these places are haunted. And so it was a lock in overnight. And uh, part of me, I thought it sounded a little interesting, but also it felt a little explo exploitative, <laughs> Ex uh, like they were exploiting the history and the suffering of some of these people. So, uh, I, I did not go to the lock-in, but I found the museum absolutely uh, fascinating. If you're anywhere uh, near Kansas City, Missouri and want to go, it didn't take long to go through the museum, maybe an hour, hour and a half. I mean, uh, it, and it's self-guided, so you can just walk through and, and the admission was very, very reasonable. I think it was like $7 for adults um, and less for uh, senior citizens and uh, 
uh, and kids and things like that. So if you're ever in the area and, and you like learning about stuff like that, uh, yeah, it was, it was um, very heavy, but uh, definitely something, you know, that, that makes you, uh, you know, not necessarily change your opinion on things, but to, um, you know, uh, just be more considerate, uh, more considerate in, in uh, thinking about uh, those types of situations and the, the things that uh, other people are involved in. Um, wow, it's already going heavy. And speaking of heavy, I got some feedback <laughs> from the last episode of You Don't Know Fact, uh, Fleck, which was the uh, all about the satanic panic. And it was very interesting that I got multiple emails that were all very similar, and most of them said, uh, don't mention my name. And so, of course, I would never do that. But um, but I got one from a guy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but many of the stories were about how uh, listeners were uh, either played Dungeons and Dragons as a kid uh, or listened to heavy metal or watched horror movies and that they had friends and, and fa- you know, Friends, uh, like the friends' families who would not let their kids come over or would not let their kids watch it. Or they would go over to a friend's house and, and when they found out that they played Dungeons and Dragons, they were no longer allowed to visit. And I, I just got multiple stories like that. Uh, and, and it was interesting because I had one friend, uh, uh, a friend of ours, there was like three of us in my neighborhood that were friends. Uh, and, uh, it was me and Jeremy and Jason. And so it was kind of a different group of friends, uh, because they were all in my neighborhood. So I was, you know, I had my, my buddy Jeff that I always talk about my buddy Andy, but these three guys are me, Jeremy and Jason. Uh, this was kind of like, because I guess this is earlier because we all went to the same elementary school. We all lived in the same neighborhood. Uh, but Jeremy was Jehovah's witness. And so there were a lot of things that his family, that, that the religion prohibited him from, from doing, right? Like they weren't, uh, they didn't celebrate holidays. Um, and, but we always found ways to include Jeremy, you know? So like, I remember, uh, the one example, and I may have mentioned this, uh, is that one time we decided we were going to make a ninja movie. <laughs> we we're going to make our own ninja movie. And Jeremy said, Hey, I'm going to have to leave because I'm not allowed to do that because ninjas, uh, he wasn't allowed to play war, things like that. And we said, well, can you be the cameraman? And he said, yeah, I guess. I'm not, wouldn't be dressing up or anything. And we said, okay. So we let him be the cameraman. So we were always finding these different ways to include him. And I do remember one time uh, in sixth grade that someone had a birthday and they had brought cupcakes or something. Their mom had brought cupcakes to pass. This is back when you could bring food from home and give it to other kids, uh, which you can't do anymore. If you have a child in elementary school, you know this, that um, uh, you're no longer allowed to bring um, uh, food from home or food that's not individually packaged and wrapped. Um, and so anyway, uh, whoever this was, their their mom had come and brought cupcakes and Jeremy stood up and left. And he was like, I'm not allowed to ce- celebrate holidays and this is a birthday and I can't do this. And Jason and I left with him. It was like a, you know, we said, Hey, we're going to go hang out with Jeremy. And and I, I do remember whoever the person was that brought cupcakes was not like a friend. It was like some girl that was uh, way more popular than us and, and not in our circle. So it wasn't like a, you know, like we were doing a, a walkout, uh, you know, on somebody that, that we were friends with. But uh, but I just remember that, that uh, we were like, hey, we're going to go hang out with Jeremy instead. And the teacher was like, yeah, that's cool, you know. So um, I never really had that experience where other people's parents 
uh, you know, look down on us or whatever, because we always just seem to kind of make it work. But uh, I definitely know there, like, I'm sure that we never played Dungeons and Dragons at Jeremy's house, right? Um, <laughs> you know, we just, we just kind of, uh, change the narrative of what we were going to do. If we went over there, we were obviously going to play sports or basketball in the, in the driveway, things like that. So, uh, But I did find it interesting that I got so many different feedbacks that were very similar of uh, uh, those type of situations. So thanks to everybody for writing in. I always appreciate feedback. I've said many times my shows are built on feedback. Uh, I have quit projects before. <laughs> Where I didn't get feedback. Uh, so I love uh, hearing from you guys. You can always uh, drop me an email at uh, robohara at robohara.com or, um, you know, leave a response on, on feedback or, or on uh, Facebook or Twitter, anything like that. And uh, I always love to read uh, comments. Uh, let's get to this episode's Patreon question, which comes from Patreon supporter Steve Sharippa. Uh, just a reminder that all of my 16-bit Patreon supporters uh, have the ability to drop me a question. Now, anybody could drop me a question, but for the 16-bit supporters, I will answer their question on the air. If it's Commodore-related, it'll end up on Sprite Castle, and if it's not Commodore-related, it'll probably end up here on You Don't Know Flat. And so uh, this episode's question, Steve says, what is a movie from your childhood that has held up for you and one that hasn't? He says, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed Pee-wee's Big Adventure recently, but there have been plenty of movies that haven't done so well with me after loving them as a kid. Well, first of all, I don't know if everybody knows this, but I am a huge uh, fan of movies. I probably watch three to five movies a week. Um, I mean, that that could be low. I have to check my numbers, but I'm at it. I keep track of all the movies that I watch. They're all listed. If you go to my uh, website, robohara.com, there's a link up at the top that says something like media I've watched or something, and it opens up a Google Docs spreadsheet. And uh, uh, you can see that there are, I think I'm up to, I'm definitely over 100 movies this year so far. That's my goal uh, for every year is to hit at least 100 movies, and I'm already there. That includes movies and documentaries, though. I watch a lot of documentaries. but um, So <clears throat> I do watch a lot of movies, and, and um, occasionally I re-watch old movies, you know, especially if my kids are around. Um, you know, I'll say, oh, let's, let's uh, watch this movie from, you know, when I was a kid that I loved. And they almost never love them. <laughs> I don't know why I keep doing it. Um, but a couple of movies that I have rewatched recently, one was on cable while I was flipping channels and I ran across Goonies and I rewatched Goonies and um, I was surprised at how well that movie still stands. Now, there's one part of the movie um, and just kind of the basic thing, as I was talking to my kids about Goonies, um, you know, when, when we were kids in the, the 80s, late 70s, early 80s, um, I could see something like the Goonies happening. I mean, obviously not the, the fantastic parts, but, you know, getting on your bikes, going out, riding, doing, you know, going on adventures, exploring, uh, you know, abandoned cabins, stuff like that. We have taught our kids, not just me personally, my family, but a generation of kids to not do that. Don't go off on your bike. Don't go out in the woods by yourself. Don't go into someone's cabin that's a band, you know. So I, I feel like 
that that part of it my kids couldn't necessarily relate to. But as far as the story went, they loved the story, uh, you know, and, and I've, you know, when I was working on my, my degree in um, uh, creative writing, I learned all about how plots are put together and, and I've done a lot of reading about things like that. And so if you watch the Goonies, it's kind of um, a masterclass. <laughs> it is one of those movies where uh, you can just follow, you know where the beats are coming. They're going to do this and then there's a setback and then they're going to do this and then there's a setback and and all these different, there's, there's uh, scenes and responses. I mean, everything is where it's supposed to be. Um, so it, it's just a movie to me. Goonies really uh, holds up. Another one, and you know, I, I I put a couple answers in here, Steve. Um, I think Stand by Me, for the most part, stands up. Uh, and and Goonies and Stand by Me are both uh, movies where kids go on an adventure, you know, and they're kind of coming of age kind of movies. And you know, I I think. Like maybe the the details don't. Uh, I mean, but uh, what's a good way to say it? There's not too much of that movie that is uh, locked into that time era. I mean, the movie starts with these kids, and they're like, "Hey, do you want to go see a dead body?" And it's these four kids, and they all have their own individual backgrounds. They all have their individual uh, issues. In a way, it's a lot like the Breakfast Club, where you have different kids coming together with different backgrounds and they all seem very different. But once you get to the human experience, there, there are differences. I mean, uh, you know, I'm jumping to, to breakfast club, but you have, you know, the rich girl, you have Claire and, and then you have Bender, the guy who uh, doesn't always tell the truth, who obviously has some sort of issues in his, in his home life. Like they have things that they can't relate to each other, but there are parts that they can relate to. You know, I remember watching, the Breakfast Club as a kid, and I was like, man, when I go back to school, I'm going to be friends with everybody. I'm going to be friends with the cheerleaders and the rich kids. And, I, and of course, that didn't happen. <laughs> I was like, they're going to be friends with me. It was more what I was hoping. Um, but, you know, those types of movies, I think, um, and those are just a couple that I think really stand, uh, you know, are still good movies. Goonies, Stand By Me, Breakfast Club. Oh, another one I would throw in there is... Um, the Lost Boys, you know, again, it's a movie that takes place in the 80s, but it could take place at any time. There's nothing locked into the 80s. Uh, and it's, you know, the, the brothers, you have this family unit, you have a single mom. Of course, now when I watch it and I'm older, I'm, I'm so much more interested in the mother's story. I was like, oh, here's this mother who's relocated. She's trying to, you know, protect her kids. She's starting to date. Um and, you know, I mean, so there's this whole other dynamic that as a kid, that part of the story wasn't important to me, but now it's more important. And my kids have watched Lost Boys and they loved it. So, uh, yeah, I think um, that's another one that that's, uh, has aged pretty well. Now, I'll tell you a couple of movies that I've watched. I think one's going to be more controversial than the other, but movies that did not age well. Um, one of them is Revenge of the Nerds. And... When I was a kid, now I uh, I never saw, I didn't originally see Revenge of the Nerds as a kid. What happened was I won movie tickets to go see Revenge of the Nerds 2. <laughs> and so I saw that one first. So I'd enjoyed uh, Revenge of the Nerds 2. And then um, uh, I'd kind of backtracked and uh, saw Revenge of the Nerds 1 later. 
And so when I was watching it recently, like as an adult with, um, uh, you know, kind of adult eyes, it was, there's a lot of things in there that I had trouble with. Um, and one of the biggest scenes, of course, if you're familiar with the movie, is the part where the nerds raid the sorority house. Uh, and then while they're there, they plant hidden cameras. And so later on, when the nerds go back to their thing, they're watching video streams of the sorority girls um, taking showers and changing clothes and things like that. It's very voyeuristic. It's very troublesome. Uh, there is a scene later where uh, Lewis, who's one of the nerds, ends up uh, hooking up with the uh, head girl from the sorority, but he only does that because he is wearing a costume and, and is dressed as her boyfriend, which uh, I think is a felony. <laughs> I don't think you can do that, you know. There's a lot of uh, uh, like gay stereotypes. There's a lot of, there's all racial stereotypes. Uh, there's just a lot of stuff that, uh, you know, in the early 80s that brought in the laughs and watching this, like one of my kids left the room. They were like, I can't watch this. Like they were that offended, you know. And of course, part of that is uh, uh, a difference, you know, in generations. But uh, yeah, I, there was a, just a lot of stuff in that one that um, just just didn't really hold up very well. Uh, the other one that I saw that I think might be more controversial was Ferris Bueller. Now, <laughs> before you come at me, let me say this. Uh, Ferris Bueller as a kid was one of my favorite movies. I mean, it, first of all, it takes place in Chicago. My dad's from uh, Chicago. I mean, my, my whole side of that family's from Chicago. So I had gone there. I knew some of the locations that they show in the movie. Uh, it, it's a, When you're a kid, it's a great idea for a movie. It's about a kid who outsmarts all the adults and gets to skip school and have a great day. And I mean, that is a, you know, a fun idea for a movie. Um, but as an adult, there's a lot of parts of that movie that haven't aged well for me. Um, you know, calling in sick and doing all that, you know, I mean, that that's silly stuff for a movie. I, I'll, I'll let that slide. Um, I don't like the part where Ferris Bueller just uses people. I mean, his relationship with Cameron where he basically, you know, talks Cameron uh, into borrowing his dad's prized possession, this Ferrari, makes up this story about how they're going to roll the mileage back. And there's a lot of stuff in that that just doesn't, um, uh, I mean, as I watch it as an adult, and this is going to be my um, uh, hot take here, I don't find Ferris Bueller that likable of a person. <laughs> I felt much worse for his sister, Jenny, <laughs> Jennifer Gray. Uh, I, I just felt like, um, I don't know, like he's kind of, you know, manipulative. He's kind of sleazy a little bit. Um, and it's hard to look at Matthew Broderick and remember that. I mean, he's obviously supposed to be a high school senior. So, um, you know. Kids that are 17 may not have the best judgment. So I get that. And you kind of have to, it's, when I see Matthew Broderick, when I see him in that movie, I go, yeah, he's like a 30-year-old or however old. I'm sure he's in his 20s in that movie. Um, but, look, you know, so you have to remember that it's supposed to be a kid. So I give him a little leeway for that. But I don't know. I just didn't enjoy it 
as much as I did as uh, as a kid. So anyway, there's uh, my list of a couple movies I thought that did age well and a couple that didn't age as well. Thank you, Steve Sharippa, for sending in uh, this episode's question. If you have feedback about this or any episode of the show, you can email me directly at Rob O'Hara at robohara.com. You can join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Robcast. Follow me on Twitter at Commodore. Come chat with me on the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord or leave a message on the podcast hotline, which is area code 405-486-YDKF. Uh, my Patreon site is patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. All my Patreon supporters Get behind-the-scenes blog posts, weekly videos, access to the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server, and other additional perks. Uh, if you would like to support the show, but you don't want to do it through Patreon, the biggest things you could do is share links to the show on social media and like and review the show on, i got to change that to say Apple Podcasts because it still says iTunes. <laughs> so, while I'm changing that, the show notes have loaded, so... Let's get started. I hope, by the way, I hope you went and got a bowl of cereal because I've got a bowl of cereal sitting right here next to me. And uh, so now that loading time is over, let's get started talking about this week's topic, which is breakfast cereal. I want to start off by talking about the history of breakfast cereal. This is not anything that I knew prior to recording this episode, but I was doing some research and uh, I found this story pretty interesting. Uh, apparently, a, uh, prior to the Industrial Revolution, most people only ate two meals a day. They ate a really big breakfast and then they ate a meal in the afternoon, mid-afternoon at some point in time. Uh, breakfast consisted of eggs bread, and whatever meat was left over from the night before. <laughs> meat didn't last very long. Uh, and then uh, in the uh, afternoon, you know, coming after they came in from the fields or working or whatever they were doing, uh, people would eat, you know, a big meat and potatoes kind of meal to, to get you through to the next day. Uh, this changed during the Industrial Revolution. Um during the Industrial Revolution, people started uh, working, you know, what we would call normal day hours. They would get up earlier in the day, 8 in the morning, and then they would go to work and come home at, at 5 or 4 or 5 or 6 or whatever. Um, and so to adjust to this new schedule, people started eating three meals a day. So um, prior to that, most people only ate two meals a day. So think about that. If you ever think about time traveling, you're going to go back, you're only getting two meals a day. <laughs> um but uh, there was a guy named Dr. James Caleb Jackson. And if you're uh, watching the video stream, you can see a picture of Dr. Jackson here. Uh, Dr. Jackson was um, a, a proponent of healthy eating. And he thought that a lot of the people's problems, uh, health problems, came from food sitting inside them too long. And so he invented this thing called granula, G-R-A-N-U-L-A. -A. Uh, and granula was considered to be uh, the first breakfast cereal, even though it wasn't really like a cereal like, like you and I think of it today. Um, 
It was really dense grain. It was so dense that you had to start preparing it the night before. The night before, you would put it in a bowl and pour milk in it and let it sit overnight. And then in the morning, it would be soft enough to eat. Um, so this was kind of the the earliest idea of breakfast cereal. But this didn't work with this new industrial revolution schedule. People were on the go. They had to get up. They had to go to work. They didn't want to have stuff soaking for 12 hours for a meal. And so the guy that really came up with modern cereal is somebody you may have heard of. His name is John Harvey Kellogg. <laughs> and John Harvey Kellogg is doctor. He had a, a doctorate. Uh, he was really into health, uh, healthy lifestyles. He was a, a vegetarian. He, uh, you know, there's a lot, by the way, if you do any research on John Harvey Kellogg, and I'm leaving this out of the episode, but a lot of people considered him to be a quack. He had some very strange theories about, uh, behavior and um, body and health ailments that were related to food, which uh, I think pretty much has been disproven by science. But uh, he, you know, had this idea that if you, you made these, um, uh, you know, corn base cereals and then you could have it with milk and you didn't have to let it soak for 12 hours. And so uh, essentially, uh, John Harvey Kellogg, I'm sure you've heard of Kellogg cereals, uh, invented cornflakes in 1894. Um, now, they were pretty popular. People enjoyed their cornflakes and they decided, uh, John had teamed up with his brother and they decided to make other types of cereal. And so they, the second type of cereal they made, they just essentially copied granula um, and changed it just slightly and said, hey, here's our new cereal. It's called granula or whatever. And uh, they got sued. They got sued by Dr. Uh, James Caleb Jackson. He said, you, you copied my, my cereal granula. And so what Kellogg's did was they changed it slightly to make it where, you know, it was less dense. You didn't have to soak it overnight. And they changed one letter in the name. So it went from granula to granola. And that's where the word granola came from, was Kellogg's in the uh, uh, late 1800s, early 1900s. Now, John Kellogg, uh, again, was this huge proponent of health. And he did not want uh, his, his cereals to have any sugar or anything like that. But his brother... Uh, who he was in business with, his brother, Will, he said, uh, Will said, you know, I think we could sell more of this uh, so-called cereal thing. We put some, some sugar in it. <laughs> and uh, John Kellogg did not want to do that. And Will, they fought and they fought. And so what Will Kellogg did was he just went and changed the recipe. He just started having sugar added in the cereal without John's permission. And I found an article that said the two of them fought for two decades until John Kellogg finally left his own company. He said, I won't have a part of this. But in the long run, I think uh, we would all agree that uh, Will was right <laughs> by adding sugar uh, to cereal. It turned it into a uh, much more popular uh, breakfast food. Now, 
there were a few uh, things, uh, evolutionary points uh, at, in breakfast cereal. And the first one was in uh, 1930s, and that is when they began adding cartoon mascots to cereal. That was when uh, the Rice Krispies, a snap, crackle, and pop first appeared on breakfast cereal. That was in the 1930s. And that kind of marks a point where breakfast cereal was originally marketed to adults, like adults on the go. You want to have a quick breakfast to give you that little uh, pop of energy before you go. You have some cornflakes, you add some sugar to it, and then you go off to your your job working in a, a you know some sort of factory. But um, when they started adding the uh, mascots to it, that's when they started easing into the idea of marketing to children. Now, in 1945, that is when they started adding toys to boxes of children and or to boxes of children. <laughs> I'd like a box of children, please. No, to the cereal. They would put the toys in the cereal box and then kids would say, oh, look at this. I want this toy. And so that was really the the combination of those two things. Uh, also, after World War II, it said that sugar became uh, much less expensive and more available. So at that point in time, there was a big shift towards uh, sugary cereal. And so this whole combination is really where we start seeing, uh, sh- you know, sugary cereals being marketed uh, to children. So my early memories of cereal do not go back that far <laughs> to the 1930s and 1940s. Um, they go back to probably the late 70s. And um, we had these Tupperware bowls in the video stream. I've got a picture of them. Uh, you've probably seen them. They are round bowls. They had lids, but I, I seem to remember we had you know 20 bowls and three lids. I think the lids always disappeared somehow. But uh, they're like a bowl. It's shaped like a bowl, but it's like a, a bowl inside a bowl. There's like a smaller uh, circular part at the bottom, and then there's like a, almost like a line, and then it kind of branches out into a a uh, slightly bigger size bowl. This is what I ate cereal out of uh, every morning. We had a stack of these Tupperware bowls. I think my mom sold Tupperware. And this is what our cabinets were filled up was Tupperware bowls. Now, uh, a few years later, when I got a little bit older, uh, an aunt of mine sent me a Empire Strikes Back bowl. And I also got an Empire Strikes Back mug. And I still have the mugs. I don't have the bowls anymore, but they're still available. Um, but the uh, the mugs and the bowl were wrapped with the same kind of graphic. It's like a color uh, flare all the way around. And then there are these circle graphics with the different characters, Darth Vader and C-3PO. And uh, there's one that has like bad guys, has like Boba Fett on the mugs, Boba Fett and Darth Vader and stuff. And then there's one with um, a good guys that has, I think, Luke's on it, Princess Leia, stuff like that. Um, but uh, um, we had so many more of the Tupperware bowls that this was not an everyday bowl for me, but, you know, once or twice a week whenever uh, <laughs> dishes got washed. Uh, but, yeah, I totally remember um, eating breakfast out of those bowls. Another big memory I have is, is sitting at the table and uh, doing the puzzles on the back of cereal boxes. Now, all cereal boxes used to have things on them to entertain kids. Uh, They would have word searches. They would have, uh, you know, whatever, Rebus-type puzzles. They would have, you know, compare these two things and see what's different, those kind of puzzles. But cereal boxes always had stuff. Sometimes they had it 
one side would have ingredients, the other side would have more puzzles. There was always things uh, to look at and entertain you for as long as as you were sitting there uh, eating cereal. I mean, it wasn't meant to entertain you for hours on end, but for the five or ten minutes you were eating breakfast, that would uh, uh, suffice. The other big memory I have as a kid is about seeing Saturday, like watching Saturday morning cartoons. So I would go fix a bowl of cereal and then take it very carefully and sit down on the floor uh, and, and watch cartoons on Saturday morning, uh, not just for the cartoons, but also for the commercials. And a lot of times you would see commercials for breakfast cereal. You would see what's going on with Captain Crunch, what's going on with Fred and Barney from Fruity Pebbles. You know, Barney's always trying to steal <laughs> Fred's cereal. Like all these things that are going on, and and that would plant those seeds where when it was time to go grocery shopping once a week, you would say, Mom, I want Fruity Pebbles. I want Cocoa Puffs. I'm cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Like we knew all the you know the um, slogans. We knew all the songs. We knew all these things from watching TV and seeing these commercials. Um, I think my kids don't really have any type of cereal that they like. They just like you know sugary cereal. It's whatever we buy because my kids don't watch TV. And so my kids don't see commercials like that. I mean, even on Netflix or something that has commercials, it's not usually for you know breakfast cereal. So uh, it's it's kind of interesting that 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 was a big shift. But I do have a big memory of that of just watching cartoons and eating cereal, and of course you know being fed both uh, cereal and commercials <laughs> at the same time. <clears throat> now, when it came to picking cereal. Like I just said, one of the influences was what was going on uh, on commercials, you know. Uh, so you'd see Captain Crunch and he would say, hey, there's a new contest and it's, uh, you know, entries are on the back of the box of every box of Captain Crunch and you would go, I want Captain Crunch, you know. So you would tell your parents based on the commercials, you know, what what uh, kind of cereal you wanted. Um, as a kid, I remember riding in the shopping cart and going down the cereal aisle and just looking high and low and looking at all the cereals and trying to pick one that looked good, you know. Um, this was all done off of the artwork that was on the front of the box, which all have a picture of the bowl of the cereal so you could see what the cereal looks like and then some mascot usually and a, a logo that would, that would uh, be bright and, and draw your attention. So a lot of my early cereal choices and preferences had to do with just looking at the boxes uh, in the um, grocery store, you know. Uh, I always looked for marshmallows. <laughs> I'm a big fan of breakfast marshmallows, so I, I would always look and uh, see what kind of marshmallows they had. Uh, you would always look and see if there was a contest. You would look and see if there was a toy inside. Um, second to a toy inside would be a toy on the back of the box. Sometimes there were things you could cut out on the box or something. But the downside of those is that you had to wait until you'd eaten the whole box of cereal. <laughs> you could just cut out the back of the box halfway through. Um, <clears throat> the other thing I remember is when we would go, I got to pick a box of cereal and my sister got to pick a box of cereal. And so 
we would never pick the same thing. And sometimes she would pick um, cereals that were intended for girls, which I don't think there was the same stigma about playing with girls' toys as a kid as there was eating girls' cereal. Who cares, right? Uh, my sister, there was a, a couple of ones. Uh, I, I'll talk about them here in a few minutes, but ones that she liked that were advertised to girls, and they were just as tasty as uh, cereals. I don't know if there are cereals necessarily marketed to boys. It's not something I've thought of, but I feel like there was cereal that was... Uh, marketed to everyone, and then cereals that were specifically marketed to girls. I could be wrong about that. It's not something that I've, I've thought about. But uh, um, another thing about shopping for cereal is that my mom always shopped, um, not always, but she, my mom loves a good bargain. And so she would shop by box size. So I very rarely got Fruity Pebbles. I almost never got Fruity Pebbles because the boxes were just a little bit smaller than all the other boxes. Um, but my mom loved picking up tricks. <laughs> she loved picking up Fruit Loops because those boxes were big. <laughs> so she was a, a value a bulk type shopper. And, and uh, um, speaking of bulk, my mom, uh, I've mentioned this on the show before, used to babysit kids. Uh, during the summer, there'd be four or five kids there. Uh, but even during the school year, there'd be two or three extra kids. And so my mom started going to Sam's Club, and they would sell these giant bags. I think they were five-pound bags of, like, Fruit Loops uh, and Tricks, I remember. And they didn't have... They didn't come in a box. There weren't any toys. There weren't any, I don't even remember any um, uh, like labeling or marketing on it. It was just a bag of cereal. And we had this bag uh, up in our upper cabinet. And so, uh, you know, when all the kids wanted cereal, that's what you got. The, the bad side of that is that they would go stale. And so I remember, you know, it took a long time to go through those bags. And there would be, you know, a week or so where you would be eating stale Fruit Loops. Stale Fruit Loops are no fun. <laughs> I don't like them. Uh, but yeah, I do remember these uh, like industrial-sized bags of cereal that she would occasionally buy. Uh, this episode of You Don't Know Flack has multiple lists, and we're getting to my first list here. And this list is of my favorite cereals. And there are probably, gosh, 10, 12 in here. And I don't know that I have something to say about all of them. So it, it'll go fast. But uh, but this is the first list I put together <clears throat> as I have one more drink of coffee before I start. A list of my favorite breakfast cereals. And number one on the list, I don't, I, I won't say this is my favorite cereal of all time, but this is the the best <laughs> of my favorite cereals. Uh, it's the most reliable, and it is Lucky Charms. Now, Lucky Charms has changed over the years. There's different flavors. There's different... Um, they've added marshmallows. When I was a kid, there were five, Michel, uh, five uh, marshmallows. There was uh, Peak Hearts, Yellow Moons, Orange Stars, Green Clovers, and Blue Diamonds. I remember... When they added purple horseshoes, and it was a big deal that they were talking about adding a sixth marshmallow, and now they have different uh, marshmallows that they add all the time, different uh, 
um, promotional things. There was unicorns for a while. There was multicolored marshmallows, whatever. But, I mean, at the core, it's hard to go wrong with Lucky Charms because it's got cereal and it's got all the marshmallows. I will say one time when my kids were young, I went to pour myself a bowl of Lucky Charms and I was shocked that there were absolutely no marshmallows in my bowl. And I couldn't believe that they changed it that much. Uh, and then I started looking in the box and there were no marshmallows. And then I found out that my kids had emptied the entire box into a bowl, picked all the marshmallows out and, and ate them, and then put the cereal back in the box. Dad was not happy. <laughs> but that's... Uh, um, Lucky Charms is is tough to go wrong. I mean, it's it's a uh, a staple that I liked when I was a kid, and I still like it today. Uh, the next one on my list I put was Cookie Crisp. You know, they had the best slogan: uh, "If you like cookies, you'll love Cookie Crisp." And guess what? I did like cookies, and I did love Cookie Crisp. <laughs> cookie Crisp is basically little chocolate chip cookies uh, masquerading as cereal. <laughs> <laughs> Cookie Crisp is one of the best cereals uh, that you can eat dry. Not all breakfast cereals are great without milk, but let me tell you, you can just grab a handful of Cookie Crisp and it's not bad. Cookie Crisp always reminded me of uh, Keystone Capers and the Keystone Cops because they had the, the cop and there was the bandit guy that was always trying to steal Cookie Crisp. But this is, again, all things that we learned through the commercials and stuff, you know. It's amazing that people know so much about these uh, cereals, but there's no, there was no Cookie Crisp movie. There was no cartoon. I mean, it was just commercials and what you learn on the box. But I feel like, uh, like I know a lot about the Cookie Crisp characters. Captain Crunch is on my list of favorite cereals. I loved Captain Crunch as a kid. I like the character. I like the cereal. Captain Crunch has that weird thing that's almost like sharp and abrasive. So after you eat a bowl or two of it, uh, the roof of your mouth gets all torn up. I don't know why it does that, but it does. Um, I remember when they modified it and they started adding crunch berries, which was a, a fun. They were like fruit flavored, almost like little tricks balls, you know, but that was a good uh uh, addition. And then over the years they had, I remember for a while they had peanut butter crunch. There's been a lot of other uh, Captain Crunch variations that, that will be in one of my other lists, but uh, Captain Crunch and Captain Crunch always seemed to have these great contests. Like, you know, the captain is missing and you'd have to go through your box and there'd be clues. And, and there was one that had treasure maps. And it, after you put the things together, you got a 1-800 number and you would call the number and there was a recording and it was Captain Crunch. I was a kid and I was listening to Captain Crunch on this 1-800 thing. And he would go, sorry, matey, you're not a winning number. And you're like, oh, what a bummer. Uh, but you were calling Captain Crunch. How cool is that? Uh, so I've always liked Captain Crunch. I like the uh, the variations of it. it it's just great. Uh, the monster cereals, you know, specifically for me, I was into Count Chocula and then secondary would be Frankenberry, but Count Chocula is my favorite. I'm a fan of any breakfast cereal that turns your milk chocolatey and Count Chocula did that. Um, I don't ever remember having Boo Berry or even seeing Boo Berry as a kid. I do remember us having uh, Frankenberry a few times, but if I got to pick, it was going to be Count Chocula. Now, I was a fan of... The 70s cartoon, uh, The Groovy Ghoulies, 
which was kind of like laugh-in except for with monsters in a castle. So there was uh, a vampire and there was a wolf man and, and Frankenstein. I heard that. <laughs> and, um, uh, but Count Chocula, you know, was obviously a vampire. He was a chocolatey vampire. He turned your your milk chocolate. We're going to talk more about Count Chocula later on in the show. But uh, that was I was always a big fan of Count Chocula. Uh, fruity pebbles and cocoa pebbles. Now those are on my list, even though we didn't get them very much. I remember my next door neighbor got fruity pebbles, and when I would spend the night with him, we got to have fruity pebbles for breakfast. I think the Pebble cereals had some of the best commercials. They were ongoing commercials that there was always a new one coming out. And Barney was always trying to trick Fred out of his Fruity Pebbles and you would watch it. And it was like a little mini show. I mean, it's very short, 30 seconds long, but it had a little plot. And and uh, Barney would say, hoo, hoo, hoo. <laughs> I'm going to trick Fred out of his Pebbles. Barney, <laughs> there was always something would happen, you know. Uh, so that was really fun. Uh, I, I like those. I mean, they're a good tasting cereal. The problem is, is that they're so small that the box does uh, go pretty fast. Now, I do remember one time in high school, I found a box. They released a um, a variation called Fruity Marshmallow Krispies, which were um, very similar to uh, Fruity Pebbles, except for they also had marshmallows. Oh, man, they were so good. I, w- I wish uh, you could still get those. Uh, that that was a good, you know, anytime you took one of these cereals and then added marshmallows, you're just making it better. Um, I put Frosted Flakes on here. I don't know that Frosted Flakes is a favorite. It's one that I like. I, the best thing about Frosted Flakes is I think moms tend to think as uh, like corn flakes as being healthy. And so you could kind of, you know, you got this tiger saying they're great and you could trick them into thinking it was a healthy choice. But of course, they're just coated in sugar. And then occasionally, I would put more sugar on them. More about that in the show coming up. Uh, but Frosted Flakes also always had a lot of things for, for kids. They had a lot of games on the boxes. They always had giveaways. Uh, so that's probably why Frosted Flakes makes it onto the list. Uh, the downside of Frosted Flakes is that if you didn't eat fast enough, they got soggy. They were always soggy and and like limp down at the the bottom of your bowl of cereal if you didn't uh, eat it fast enough. Although, I will say the milk is really sugary. <laughs> this is just me reminiscing about eating sugar. This whole show is how much I like sugar. Uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch cereal is fantastic. I loved it. There were some variations. They made a French Toast Crunch for a while. That was good. They also had a Peanut Butter Toast Crunch. Uh, I preferred the, the cinnamon, to be honest with you, but that was another one where uh, you would make a bowl of cereal. It was super sweet and delicious, and then all the cinnamon would come off, so you had the cinnamon kind of milk down at the bottom. Good stuff. Uh, Kaboom cereal I liked as a kid. I think today I don't know that the marketing would be that would go off <laughs> as well, but Kaboom cereal was good. Uh, I put Cocoa Krispies on this list, which were chocolate rice krispies. Um, they were similar to cocoa pebbles, but you got them in a bigger box. So I, my mom would, would go for cocoa krispies if you pick that out. Cocoa puffs. Cocoa puffs are very simple. They're little chocolate balls that turn the milk chocolate. And uh, so they're a lot like tricks, except for it's just chocolate. Um, there were a lot of cereals like 
Cocoa Pebbles that would turn your milk a little chocolate, but Cocoa Puffs really turn your milk chocolate, and that's what made them so good. So Cocoa Puffs, uh, I would never turn down a bowl of Cocoa Puffs. Good stuff. Uh, these final ones on here, I don't have a whole lot to say about. There was s'mores cereal, which was great. I mean, my dad has a theory that if you make something and, and you like all the ingredients, you're going to like the end result. And s'mores cereal had little things of chocolate and little like cinnamon toasty kind of things and then uh, little marshmallows. Everything in that sounds good. And the cereal was good too. Rocky Road cereal was similar to that. Uh, Reese's Puffs, that was a big one. I mean, chocolate peanut butter cereal. Uh, not sure how healthy that one was, but I, I'm, I, if I go into a, a store and I get to pick a cereal, they have that, that's, that's going to be on my list today. Um, ice cream cones was a big cereal with, that looked like little ice cream cones and also had marshmallows tough to go wrong. Uh, you can see how the marketing started leaning towards children. I mean, I don't think there's any adults. Well, that's not true because I would buy it, but you know, you don't think of your parents as being like, what should I get? Wheat checks or ice cream cones. <laughs> uh, and then there were some that were just so ridiculous. I've got three down here at the end. Uh, you know, things like uh, Frosted Flakes. They tried to toe this line and say, yeah, we got sugar, but it's still healthy. It's still a good part of your breakfast, you know. These last three here, I've got Choco Donuts, which was Captain Crunch, but they were like little chocolate donuts. Uh, Dunkin' Donuts cereal, and then Oreo O's, <laughs> which were just, they look like, they're shaped like Fruit Loops, but they literally taste like Oreos. Um, so I think once you get to that point, like the facade has been pulled back, the sheet's been ripped off, whatever you want to say. Uh, it's tough to go like, hey, you know, uh, if you want all your uh, uh, daily amount of vitamins and everything, try Oreo O's. <laughs> like that's a tough sell, you know. Uh, but anyway, uh, any cereal that I just mentioned is one that I absolutely loved as a kid, uh, and I would still eat it today. I mean, you bring me a bowl right now, Cinnamon Toast Crunch or Count Chocula, I am all in for that for breakfast. Now, one of the things that made uh, these cereals so great are the prizes that you got. Sometimes the prizes, like I said, were on the back of the box. Sometimes they were, most of the times, they were in the box. Sometimes they were something you had to assemble. Sometimes they were just a toy, a plastic toy that you would find. Um, one of the ones that I remember are uh, Count Chocula and the other breakfast cereals. Now, this was pretty early for me, but I do remember this is in the late 70s. Uh, they released multiple records, and these were like on the box. You cut out, you know, or, or remove this record, and you could play it on your record player. I remember you, you you should put something heavy in the middle, like a coin or something, because it, it had a tendency to slip because it was so light. Um, but there was Count Chocolate Goes to Hollywood. There was the Monster Adventures in Outer Space. There was a third one, the Monsters Go Disco. So those were all, uh, you know, these three or four minute records that you, like, imagine getting a record with your cereal. How exciting is that, right? Like, you're like, I like Count Chocula, and now I get our Count Chocula record where I get to listen to this. I mean, that was the kind of stuff that brought kids back over and over Uh you know, to the same brand that got your brand loyalty, right? That there is a, uh, 
Later, there was a 13 Days of Halloween. It's called Rhythm and Booze, 13 Days of Halloween. It is with the General Mills uh, Monster Cereals, and it's on YouTube. So if you want to hear that, go. there's like 13 tracks on it. It was a CD that you got with your cereal. So, of course, if it's a CD, this is later. Um, but it's on YouTube. You should go listen to it if you like uh, the breakfast cereal kind of stuff. Some of the toys I remember, there was Wacky Wall Walkers. Now, I think those were in Captain Crunch. Um, and then there was a one I remember later that was a glow-in-the-dark Wacky Wall Walker. Now, if you never had a Wacky Wall Walker, they, were, they looked like a little octopus and they were sticky. And so you would throw it at the wall or throw it at a window, and then it would just slowly kind of tumble down, sticking to the window over and over and over till it got to the bottom. They were super fun until you threw it in the carpet and it got carpet fuzz all over it. And it got gross or little hairs or dirt or something. It got all gross. Now you could wash them off and they would stick almost as good as they used to. And after a while, they kind of lost their stickiness. But um I think I remember as a kid one time, I actually left one of those on the dash of my mom's car and it melted. Uh, <laughs> whoops. Uh, so that was uh, not good. But the Wacky Wall Walkers, those are a toy I remember. Uh, I remember getting in the monster cereals, there were these things called spooky speedsters. And these were little... Um, plastic cars and then they had little plastic wheels with an axle and you snapped them together and you just you know pushed them they didn't have any kind of uh, motor or anything like that but i remember those for sure uh, racing those around the table and stuff like that and there were ones you know different ones and different colors for each of the monsters those were super cool uh now on ebay they're probably 20 dollars, but uh back then uh, there was the thing I should uh, mention. I think I probably have this on a, a list later. Yeah, I, I do. I do. I'm not going to talk about it now. Uh, bike reflectors was a thing. I remember um, Super Sugar Crisp, which is not one of my favorite cereals, uh, but they had these bike reflectors, and it was like in the shape of Sugar Bear. So you would find where he fit, and his his hands were like little clasps, and they would clasp to the spokes on your bike. And so I remember those, they would have rear and front reflectors and things like that. That was a big thing. Cause of course kids have bicycles. Um, one of the biggest ones that I remember, and, and I have a picture of this up right now is the fruity pebbles, plastic coin holders. And these were little rubber plastic coin purses. They had Fred, they had Dino. I know I had the Dino one. I'm sure they had Barney, um, maybe a couple other people, but uh, they were so you if you squeezed them, there was a slot in the back and the slot kind of opened and you could put your change in there. And so I would put my change in in uh, Dino's head and then you put Dino's head in your pocket. And then I would go up to the convenience store and, and you squeeze it and get your quarters out, play some asteroids or whatever uh, arcade game they had up there at the time. But I definitely remember having those uh, and carrying those around. Now, we're going to get to a short list I put together of breakfast cereals I did not like. Some of these I strongly disliked, and some I just didn't care for. Number one, Cheerios. Um, Cheerios was like, uh, most of these are like similar to a cereal with sugar, but without sugar. <laughs> I was all about the sugar. Uh, so, Cheerios, yeah, just kind of too plain for me. Uh, honeycomb. That was another one, you know, I mean, the honeycomb 
kids uh, seemed very excited on the commercials. They were always climbing up in forts and and going on adventures and stuff. They were probably trying to get away from Honeycomb because it's terrible. Uh, Apple Jacks is uh, Apple Jacks is like the cereal for parents who are like they feel too guilty about Fruit Loops, so they're like, oh, we'll just get some Apple Jacks and th- and that'll trick the kids. Guess what? Didn't trick me. It's terrible. Um, let's see what else is on the Wheaties. Wheaties are terrible. They're like breakfast of champions. Guess what? I wasn't a champion. <laughs> I didn't want a pole vault. I, I wanted marshmallows. So I was not a fan of Wheaties. Alphabets. That was a weird one. They were like, oh, kids will love this. It's shaped like letters. You know what every kid got in trouble for? Trying to make words out of those letters. Every parent was like, stop. Eat your stupid alphabets. Why did I buy this? I don't know why he bought it. It's terrible. Life cereal. Life is awful. <laughs> Both the cereal. No, I'm not going to say that. Um, yeah, life cereal um, didn't do anything for me. Kicks, corn puffs. Um, I put Razor Bran on here. I don't remember having Razor Bran in my house. Um, I think a friend of mine had Raisin Bran. Um, and then Sugar Crisp. I did not like Sugar Crisp. It was like this weird shape where they were almost like, they almost reminded me of like shells. Like if you found a little tiny shell in the ocean, they're like rolled over and crunchy and had a weird taste. I just did not like Sugar Crisp. Um, I like Sugar Bear. He was all right. They had a good mascot. But uh, yeah, I just uh, couldn't do it. So, you know, sometimes you got good cereals. Sometimes you got bad cereals, but there were always ways to enhance uh, your your cereal eating experience. That's a strange transition. Uh, but these are some of the things that I did as a kid to modify cereal. Does that make sense? I'll give you an example. Is My dad ate a lot of uh, Chex cereal. He ate wheat Chex and rice Chex and, and all those and he would also take a banana and slice it up and put the slices in his cereal. And so my mom would do that for us if we had uh, checks or if we had Rice Krispies. But something that didn't have a lot of sugar or something that didn't have marshmallows, she would kind of spruce it up with some banana slices in there. A whole banana is a lot of banana to put in a bowl of cereal, but you know, half a banana works pretty good. But I remember uh, getting that a lot. Um, we also occasionally, I'm trying to remember where we got these, but they had these little boxes of cereal and you would buy them like in a 10 pack or 12 pack of cereals. And, uh, they were little tiny boxes. Now my wife, I was talking to her about these and she said when she went to camp, they would literally open the sides of these boxes and they would rip open the bag inside and then just pour the milk inside the bag. And they would eat it like using the box as, uh, you know, the bowl. And they would add the milk and just eat it right out of there and then toss the box when they were done. I seem to remember eating these dry. Like maybe we got them in school or something. I don't remember. Uh, we didn't eat these a lot at our house because, first of all, I'd want to have like three of those boxes. <laughs> They're so small. Um, I mean, I guess if you're a little, little kid, one box would do you, but I mean, now when I'm looking at them, I just think, yeah, I'm definitely putting two of those boxes in a bowl. 
Um, when I got into my teenage years, uh, I was more into getting food and taking it to my room. And I started this really terrible habit of eating cereal in a cup. So instead of putting cereal in a bowl and then adding milk and using a spoon, I would just take one of those plastic tumblers or something and put cereal in that and then pour the milk in the cup and then go back to my room. And then you would, you know, just drink it, but you're also eating the cereal at the same time. And uh, uh, this isn't terrible for breakfast. I mean, I think you're getting the same amount of cereal, roughly the same amount of cereal. Uh, but what the problem with this is, is it becomes a habit and there's a lot of calories in cereal. So if you're sitting there having two or three cups of cereal a day, it's a lot of extra calories. The other problem is if you're a kid, uh, you tend to not take your dishes right to the sink. And so the little pieces of cereal that were in the milk become like little pieces of concrete <laughs> that stick. So then you got to go put the bowl in the sink or the, I mean the cup in the sink and, and soak it, let it sit for a day until all the little pieces of cereal break loose and float up, you know. So it's really, um, it's not a good habit to get into. I wish I had never done it. I did it for a long time and I, I try not to do it anymore um, just because it's, it's, it's so many calories, you know. Um, I used to add sugar to, um, uh, my cereal. I would, my dad, uh, I saw him do this where he would, you know, take, we had like the little Tupperware sugar container thing on the table and he would fill a, uh, a spoon full of sugar. It helps the medicine go down. It also helps non-sugary cereal go down and he would sprinkle it over his rice chicks or whatever, some cereal that didn't uh, have sugar. So I would do that, but occasionally I would do it over cereal that had sugar. I would just add more sugar. And, and the best part of that was when you were done with the cereal, at the very bottom of the bowl, in the, the little corner of the milk, you'd have this little sludge thing of uh, milky sugar that you could scoop up with your spoon. Yum, yum. It was a good treat and a good way to meet your dentist. <laughs> Uh, I occasionally added chocolate quick to my cereal. <laughs> I was a really kind of a uh, left to my own vices around breakfast time, apparently, uh, because we would have the uh, powdered chocolate quick. And so you just take a little spoonful of that and put that in the cereal. Thumbs up from uh, Jack Fleck. <laughs> uh, so this is one of the things I was going to mention earlier that I put on this list is opening your cereal from the bottom of the box to get to the toy first. Uh, so I know that that we did this many times where it would say, you know, uh, in this Fruity Pebbles, you're going to get this coin purse thing. And so if you open the Fruity Pebbles from the bottom, you'd find the, the toy right away. You know, the other way to do it was open it from the top and then stick your grubby hands down in there and fish around until you found the toy. But if you did it from the bottom, it was usually pretty close to right there. And so uh, that was uh, one of our tricks. And finally, and I put a picture of this online is the bag of marshmallows from Amazon. Now, I heard about this on the news years ago and as a novelty item where they said, if you like Lucky Charms, but you don't want all that cereal, we'll just sell you the bag of marshmallows, which, I mean, how often are you going to do that? Once? I mean, it's not a repeat item. Like, you shouldn't be doing this every week. But they've added them to Amazon. And so I believe twice in my life, I have bought these little bags of marshmallows. And they're, if you've ever had breakfast marshmallows before they were added to milk, they have that little crunchy texture. These are just like that. They are so 
good. <laughs> and when I bought the little bag, I remember looking at it and saying, I'm going to make this last a month. And I think it lasted three to four days. I just could not stay out of them. So I don't buy them because, uh, uh, because I will go through them. So, I mean, if you love <laughs> breakfast cereal and marshmallows, you owe it to yourself to do it once, but I don't recommend you keep doing it because you will meet your dentist and your doctor. <laughs> You'll meet lots of people who will go, huh, looks like you put on some weight. And then they do an x-ray and all that's inside you are pink hearts and yellow moons. <laughs> Orange stars are just floating around in your belly. You're like, I don't know how that got in there, doc. <laughs> oh, boy. So here's another uh, list that I put together for the show. Now, let me give you some backstory about this. Probably, I don't know, uh, five, six, seven years ago, we got an Aldi's. And Aldi's is a store that kind of specializes in generic type foods. Um, the Aldi's at my, like near my house, the temperature is always like 78 degrees. It's always like a little uncomfortably warm in there. A lot of the food is on pallets. Like they don't put it up on shelves. They just, they like bring in a, a pallet of, of uh, peanut butter. They're like, hey, there's some peanut butter. So you could get generic stuff, but it's, and also uh, they don't uh, sack your groceries and they don't carry out your groceries. You have to put, they have boxes that, that uh, produce has come in or whatever. And you put stuff in boxes and you carry it out to the car. And, and uh, it's also the place that has, you have to rent a shopping cart for 25 cents. So you put a quarter in and it unlocks a shopping cart. And then when you're done, if you return the cart, it will return your quarter. Um, so they have lots of generic type of food things, but it's really inexpensive. You can save a lot of money by going to Aldi's. And when I, when I was younger, I remember hearing about Aldi's and there was this real stigma like, oh yeah, that's where you go if you can't afford name brands or stuff. But now when you're an adult and you're feeding two starving teenagers, you're like, Hey, let's go buy Aldi's and <laughs> pick up a few things, you know? Uh, and so when I went to the Aldi's, when they opened up a Aldi's near me, I found they have not, I don't call it generic breakfast cereals, but they're like knockoff breakfast cereals. They are brands of cereal that when you look at it, you know what they're referring to, but they're, they're slightly different. And so here are 10 of my favorite ones. And I've included uh, pictures of just a few of them, but uh, here are some of the ones that they have. They have these at Aldi's. I've also seen them at Dollar General. Uh, they have some different uh, generic or kind of knockoff cereals. But the first one is Bunch O' Cinnamon Squares. <laughs> so if you don't want Cinnamon Toast Crunch, you can get Bunch O' Cinnamon Squares. Uh, the second one, you may not get it uh, if you're just listening to the podcast. But, it, well, yeah, sure you will. It's Barry's Kid Crunch. <laughs> Barry Kids Crunch. And the font, if you look at it, is exactly the same font as Captain Crunch. I mean, they've used the same font. There's a bowl of the cereal. When you look at it, it looks just like Captain Crunch with the uh, Crunch Berries or whatever. Uh, so they've obviously just, uh, there's even a, uh, it looks like maybe a treasure ship or a uh, treasure chest or something. It's hard to see, but uh, no, it's a boat. It is a boat in the back because there's the flag or whatever. So. If, if there's a cereal with a boat and it looks like Captain Crunch and there looks like there's Crunch Berries and you've got this ship, it could be Berry Kids Crunch. 
Uh, the third one on here is uh, Cocoa Rice. It looks <laughs> just like Cocoa Pebbles. Their mascot is a generic dinosaur, and the uh, logo that says Cocoa Rice is written like prehistoric letters. So if you don't know if this is supposed to be like Cocoa Pebbles from all those clues, uh, I mean, it's pretty obvious uh, what, they, what they're borrowing from here. Uh, another one, Cocoa Peanut Butter Puffs. If you like Reese's Peanut Butter Puffs, then uh, Cocoa Peanut Butter Puffs might be one you would enjoy. Uh, I found one called Crispy Rice. <laughs> that looks like Rice Krispies. They just turned the words around. It says Crispy Rice. Um, there's a, a Fruit Loop knockoff that I found called Fruit Rounds, which is true advertising. They are round cereal and they taste like fruit. Uh, there are lots of Lucky Charms knockoffs. There's one called Marshmallows and Stars. It has a wizard, and it has the cereal, and then different kinds of stars and moons as marshmallows. Uh, here's one that looks like Cookie Crisp that's just called Cookies, uh, with a K. Cookies, maybe. Uh, so if you like Cookie Crisp, you'll like cookies. Here's one. See if you can guess what this one is. Honey Nut Toasted Oats. <laughs> I think sometimes they don't try very hard to uh, uh, obfuscate, uh, you know, what the cereals are supposed to be. Uh, and a final one here is corn squares, which look a lot like Czech cereal. So uh, lots of different generic type cereals available if you go to Aldi's or Dollar General. So another list that I put together is called... Um, I call them pop culture cereals. These are cereals that uh, are tied to a cartoon or uh, something that's popular at the time. I'm sure you know the, the genre uh, that I'm talking about. And these are ones that come and go. You know, you, you have them. Maybe you had them as a kid. A lot of these I had as a kid. And they were good. And I loved them. And now they're gone. And uh, You can pay a lot of money to get them. Uh, <laughs> on eBay. Smurfberry Crunch is the first one that I had on my list. I had a lot of Smurfberry Crunch as a kid. It was uh, uh, good. I don't think that originally it had um, marshmallows or anything, but it was it was definitely good. Uh, E.T. Cereal I put on this list. Uh, I remember having E.T. Cereal. There was that time in 82, 83 where everything for six months had E.T. on it. Uh, Pac-Man Cereal Pac-Man cereal is one of my favorite cereals of that era. Um, it has, you know, the little round, uh, crunchy, like, corn balls or whatever. And then you had Pac-Man and all the ghosts as marshmallows. Uh, it was it was uh, uh, absolutely delicious. It's kind of like Lucky Charms, except for with, instead of the, the kind of compressed <laughs> corn pieces, like the puffy things. I mean, Pac-Man cereal is like the perfect cereal. Pac-Man cereal is so good. Uh, there was Donkey Kong cereal, which I vaguely remember getting i mean it was more about the box to me um we're getting the stuff that was on the back of the box uh and that was kind of the same with c3po's um mr t cereal was one that i remember getting but it wasn't very sweet or sugary of course mr t cereal is famous uh for the the scene in uh, peewee's big adventure where peewee pours himself the giant bowl of mr t cereal i pity the fool that don't eat my cereal 
Nerds cereal was an odd one. Nerds cereal. Uh, if you remember Nerds candy, it was a little box and you opened each side and each side had a different flavor. And that's how Nerds cereal was. It was split right down the middle. There were two different bags. And depending on which side of the box you poured from, you got different flavors. And don't think Nerds cereal lasted all that long, but uh, that was an interesting idea. Uh, I put Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle cereal. I'm, I'm not a, a big uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle guy, but I do remember uh, trying that. Uh, Ghostbusters and Gremlins, those are both ones uh, that I had. Now, there are two on here that are both ones that my sister used to pick. And one was Rainbow Bright cereal, which was a lot like Fruit Loops, um, but I remember her getting Rainbow Bright cereal. And then Strawberry Shortcake uh, was a great cereal. It was like Frosted Flakes, but instead of just normal sugar, it also had strawberry flavor. And so uh, not only was it like sugary Frosted Flakes, but it also turned your milk pink. So that was uh, a good choice. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, you know what? I made another list. I know this seems like this podcast is a series of lists of me talking about different types of cereal, but um, I, as I was going through and researching cereal and, and uh, looking up different kinds, uh, one of the things I ran into is like cereals that look great to me that I didn't try. Now, and the reason I didn't try them is because I, I mean, as an adult, I kind of quit buying kids cereal, right? Like uh, now, like a lot of times, like when I was commuting to work, I would stop at McDonald's and get a, um, an egg McMuffin and a coffee or something like that. I wasn't, you know, necessarily eating count chocolate every morning. Uh, but some of the new ones that I saw cupcake pebbles, that sounds great. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, Pop-Tarts Crunch Cereal. Those are like little Pop-Tarts with uh, – they've got frosting on it and little flavor inside each Pop-Tart. Yum. Uh, cinnamon Marshmallow Scooby-Doo Cereal. That's a good one. Um, let's see what else. Uh, there's still different kinds of s'mores cereal. I found some different flavors of Captain Crunch, including vanilla. Captain Crunch, which is a vanilla flavor, and also a Cosmic Crunch one with the outer space stuff. Um, there is a Nestle's Nesquik cereal, which sounds great. I would take that. And then finally, there is Chocolate Lucky Charms. I mean, I don't know that there's a better cereal ever than that. I mean, you get all the stuff from Lucky Charms. You get the marshmallows and all that, plus cereal that turns your uh, milk chocolate. I mean, that's like... It's like some NASA scientist stuff going on there. That's pretty awesome. Um, <clears throat> now, we talked a lot about uh, the toys and stuff that we used to get in breakfast cereals and things that I used to get and I would look forward to. But uh, as time went on and you know, moved into the, uh, the mid to late 90s, I don't think kids were that interested in bicycle reflectors. Um, and one of the things that we saw a few of were cereal-based games. Now, there aren't as many as you would think. There are a lot of breakfast cereals or uh, video games that are based on uh, mascots, you know, fast food mascots and, and restaurants and, and uh, different food items. But there aren't a whole lot of ones that are based solely on breakfast food or breakfast cereal mascots. Now, one is the Captain Crunch Crunchling Adventure. And you can find this online if you want to download it. It came on CD-ROM. It was released in 1997. And I have a CD-ROM of this. And it's basically this little uh, Captain Crunch adventure. And uh, they're, they're kind of the graphics are like those pre-rendered 3D-type graphics uh, as you walk around a 2D landscape. But it's, it's really, really fun. 
Uh, I mean, there's, when I say really fun, it's really interesting. It's not really that deep. Um, we also had on the Amiga and PC a game called Tony and Friends in Kellogg's Land, which is a 2D platformer starring Tony the Tiger, uh, and it takes place in Kellogg's Land. Now, I don't remember seeing this back in the day, but I did find it uh, kind of when I started getting back into the Amiga, I ran across that. And, um, you know, it's uh, your average platformer. It's not great, but it's uh, interesting that Tony the Tiger is in it. Uh, and then there are some first-person shooters called Chex Quest, which are based on um, Chex cereal. Apparently, you are a giant piece of Chex cereal in this game. I'm not too sure. Uh, they're very uh, Doom-like in their era and graphics, so don't expect to be overwhelmed. But, uh, uh, yeah, there are three games in that series, Chex Quest 1, 2, and 3. So that's something. Uh, and finally, just a few years ago, they released, uh, this is not a video game, this is a board game. Actually, it's called a battle game. It is the Monster Crunch Breakfast Battle Game. You can find it on Amazon for about $20. I almost won this uh, at a uh, Dirty Santa at a Christmas party. I was trying to get this game. Uh, but it's a, a battle game where you you battle the different monster characters, Count Chocula and Frankenberry and all these people. Uh, it looks really interesting. I have not played it, but I would. I'm going to put that on my Christmas list uh, again for this year and try to get that. Now, the reason that Serial has been on my mind over the past couple of weeks is because of the annual release of the General Mills Monster Cereals. Now, this is actually the 50th anniversary of the Monster Cereals. And so, again, we have Count Chocula, we have Frankenberry, and we have Boo Berry. Um, in, in the pictures I've shown, uh, there's a, another picture of a three-pack that they released a few years ago where they had updated the mascots into the kind of this new... Uh, 3D kind of artwork style. It wasn't as popular. And so this year for the 50th anniversary, they've gone back to the retro vintage packaging. So if you see them, they really strike up the nostalgia. You know, I'm, I'm a nostalgic guy and I like to collect things. I never thought I would be nostalgic in collecting breakfast cereal, but we did go out and, and get uh, a box of all the uh, breakfast cereals. But it also uh, comes with one or there is another one available, and uh, I'm showing it here for those watching the video stream, uh, called Monster Mash. And so what Monster Mash is, is a combination of all the cereals. You've got Count Chocula, you got, uh, you can see all the guys, even uh, the, the Mummy and um, Fruit Brute. Uh, all, you know, they've basically, you could say they are both figuratively and literally putting the band back together because on the box, uh, all the characters are in a band and they're playing. Uh, and on the back of the drum kit, uh, it's got a picture of the band playing. It says graveyard smash. Uh, and, and essentially it says the whole monster group is back together for limited edition cereal and to record their own version of the greatest monster anthem of all time monster mash. And so if you want to hear monster mash, uh, I guess you don't really have to buy the cereal because on the back, is a QR code, and you can scan this QR code and uh, be taken to uh, a link online where you can hear them uh, playing and singing the Monster Mash, so that's pretty cool. Uh, the cereal was not great. I had the cereal, and, um, you know, they've got newer uh, newer recipe, and, 
just wasn't as good. So I've I've only had some of the Monster Mash and I had some of the Frankenberry. And so they, they're not quite the same as I remember them from my childhood. But uh, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, turn down a box of Monster Cereal. What, what are we talking about? Let's not be crazy. <laughs> uh, there are some collectible things that have to do with breakfast cereal. Uh, I haven't collected a lot of breakfast cereal things. One of the things I, I did own that I eventually parted with was a full-size mascot suit of Captain Crunch. Now, um, there were, I found a little bit of the history about this particular suit. It was uh, made by General Mills, or it was ordered to be made by General Mills. Uh, I believe there were 20 that were made, and they were loaned out at, for appearances, and uh, unbelievably, I think I paid $10 for this thing. Uh, it came in a trunk, and the trunk had uh, paperwork in it that talked about the company that had made it. Uh, this is a professional type of mascot costume. It had uh, battery packs on the inside for fans. And uh, one of the biggest problems with it is it seems like it was designed for somebody about five foot seven. And I'm six foot tall. So when I put it on, it was very claustrophobic and uncomfortable. <laughs> so uh, otherwise, I would be wearing it all the time. But it was uh, a really fun thing to own, and I was able to pass it on to another collector. Um, so, yeah, came in and it came out. Uh, one of the things I do still have are a collection of General Mills stuffed mascots. And I picked these up. I picked up most of them in one uh, auction. And then later I filled in the gaps, but they released a series of kind of like Beanie Babies. They remind me of Beanie Babies, but you get uh, the guy from Cinnamon Toast Crunch and you get uh, uh, Trix, uh, you know, the rabbit and uh, Sunny from, from Cocoa Puffs and, and Lucky from Lucky Charms. And I think there's eight in all Count Chocula's one of them. The, there's a guy from Cookie Crips. So they're fun little things to collect. I have them on a shelf, and um, uh, fortunately, there's not a lot of them. But speaking of a lot of them, uh, the third thing I put on the list here are Pops Vinyl. Now, I have struggled. I have fought tooth and nail not to begin collecting Pops Vinyl because I know me. I know there is no end to that collection. You'll just be buying them forever. And I just don't want to get into it. So um, the few that I have are ones that people have gifted me for the most part. And I absolutely adore them. I love them. I don't have any of the breakfast cereal ones. And if somebody gave one to me, uh, I would absolutely love it. But I'm just trying to refrain from purchasing them. But uh, Pops Final recently had a couple of different lines where they were um, – throwbacks to uh, cereal mascots and food mascots. So you could buy the Kool-Aid man. You could buy uh, different ones like that. But I did see uh, like Tony the Tiger and some other breakfast cereal ones. So uh, cool stuff from Pop Vinyls. Again, I'm really finding not to fall into that, but um, uh, I, I just know someday I will. <laughs> so I'm fighting kicking and screaming not to do that. Uh, before we wrap things up, I want to mentioned two websites. The first is mrbreakfast.com. I use that website for a lot of the research for this episode. Mr. Breakfast has lists of, uh, by viewer votes, the top 100 uh, breakfast cereals. They also have information about all these cereals and the mascots and things. So if you're into breakfast cereal, go check out mrbreakfast.com. The other one I follow is Cerealistly. 
dot net, and that is the word serial, C-E-R-E-A-L, and then O-U-S-L-Y dot net. They are an up-to-date website uh, that is posting and sharing news about breakfast cereals, new cereals coming out. Uh, they have all sorts of articles and, and uh, news stories and things like that. So if you're into breakfast cereal, uh, you'll want to check out that website as well. wraps up another episode of you don't know flat if you have feedback about this or any episode of the show you can email me directly at rob o'hare at rob join the conversation on facebook at facebook.com forward slash robcast follow me on twitter at commodore come chat with me on the amigos retro gaming discord or leave me a message on my podcast hotline at 405-486-YDKF all of my Patreon supporters get behind-the-scenes blog posts, weekly videos, access to the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server, and other additional perks. To find out more, visit patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. I'd like to give an extra shout-out to all my Patreon supporters. For my 8-bit supporters, that would be Alan Hennessy, Alan Hudgens, Armadon Restel, Brian Barr, Carrie Clanton, Chris Folds, C-Dubs, Cowbird Boy, Dan Paradroid Heavey, Darren Folds, Dave Velociraptor, David Chambers, David Hearn, David Modalat, Eric Stryanisi, Garrett Allier, Gary Heather, Graham Vebke, Jake Nonamaker, Jason Warrens, John Bodakar Schaller, John Treholt, Jose Cazada, Joshua Eckroth, Mark Alley, Mike McLaughlin, Mitsuyama, Mr. Bundy, Mr. Wacky. Nathan Dagenhart, Olaf Hope, Patrick Markey, Rydar and Christopher Bowe, Retro Trace, Rick Reynolds, Roy Jacobs, Scooter Prime, Scott Lambert, Scrap Arcade, Stephen Burt, Steve Rasmussen, The Slow Norris, Zeke Pabsky, Zerfall, and The Mysterious Cobra Kai. Extra special shout out to my 16-bit supporters, Bill Spear, Boat's Head Tavern BBS, Dan Creek, Dave Zilly, Edward Smith, John Morrison, Matt Nicholson, Matt Smith, Scott Vendrasek, Steve Sharippa, and Vintage Volts. You Don't Know Flack is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the RSS feed at Rob, oh no, podcast.robohead.com. To hear more podcasts from me like Sprite Castle, Cactus Flax, Throwback Reviews, and Multiple Sadness, visit podcast.robohair.com for links to these shows. Congratulations. If you made it this far, you now know a little bit more about Flack. We'll see you next time. The Monster Cereals, Count Chocula, Frankenberry, and Booberry present Count Chocula Goes to Hollywood. Welcome to Monster Mansion, where Frankenberry, Booberry, and Count Chocula anxiously await the arrival of the mailman. Count Chocula has entered the Monster Lookalike contest in Hollywood, where the winner will appear in the TV Western Haunted House on the Range.
If I win the contest, Frankenberry, I'll go to Hollywood and become a star. I am tired of being just another plain old monster. Why should you win, Count Chocula? Because I look just like my great-great-uncle Drac from Transylvania. <laughs> he was bitten by the acting bug and became a star. Have you ever seen him, Booberry? Oh, yes. I always enjoy seeing his movies on TV. You're so frightening. It's the mailman. Good evening. A monster? Yikes! A simple how do you do would suffice. Look, he dropped a letter. Aha, it's my letter from Hollywood. Hooray, Hooray for Hollywood! What does it say? Did you win the contest? It says, uh, <clears throat> Dear Count Chocula, congratulations. You are the winner of the Monster Lookalike Contest. We have enclosed three tickets to Hollywood for you and your friends. You will be in the famous TV western, Haunted House on the Range. Oh, goody, let's start packing. Oh, we're off to Hollywood. Hooray! Off go the monsters to the land of palm trees, sun, and TV men. Magic. Will Count Chocula be a hit in the haunted house on the range? Will Frankenberry and Booberry also be bitten by the acting bug? Wait and see. Ah, here we are in Hollywood. Look at all the stars. And it's not even nighttime. And look at the palm trees. <coughs> Full of coconuts. It's time for the monsters to check into the famous Hollywood Monster Motel on Sunstruck Boulevard. As Frankenberry and Booberry go out to swim and sun, Chocula heads to the TV studio to meet his director, Gary Glamour. Will this TV show make Count Chocula famous? Or will he be a falling star? Let's join Count Chocula at the studio. Come in. Good evening. I'd know that face anywhere. Come on in, Count Baby. Baby? I am no baby. I'm over 200 years old. Yeah, but you sure are a monster. I love it. You're perfect for your part in Haunted House on the Range. So, let's get going. Things are about to start rolling on the set. Here we are on the set. Now, Count Baby, mosey on over here and meet the star of the show, Luke McSpook, the meanest hombre that ever haunted the West. Luke McSpook? Who is he? I am the star. Wrong again, Buffalo Brain. He's the star. You're the stuntman. Huh? You do all the dangerous things in the TV show in Luke's place. So for your first scene, you go over this cliff in a barrel. Uh, oh, no. Not in a... <laughs> Baby, that was perfect. Uh, for you, maybe. It gave me a splitting headache. Now, for your next scene, we set fire to the haunted house on the range. Yes, and I am supposed to run out of it like a hero? No, you're supposed to run into it like a fool. Scene two, camera, action, go count, baby. <laughs> Cut. Sorry, Count, we'll have to do it again. You weren't so hot. Wanna bet? <laughs> Boy, this director burns me up. Oh, Count Chocula. Frankenberry, Booberry, what are you two doing here? We want to go back to Monster Mansion. Don't you like Hollywood? No, I went swimming and got waterlogged. <laughs> you look like a Franken-prune. <laughs> and the sun turned me into a toasted marshmallow. We're heading back to Monster Mansion. But you stay and be a star. Wait, I want to go with you. Uh, we're waiting for another take, Count. I'm finished. Last chance. I am through. But this will make you a star. Uh, oh, uh, don't go yet, Frank and Boo. Uh, this will only take a minute. Action, camera, take three. Take four. Take six. Take 78. Stop. 
I can't take anymore. I've had it with this star business. I want to go back to being just a plain old monster. Being Count Chocula isn't so bad after all. But it isn't as good as being Frankenberry. Oh, Pooberry. But there's nothing as good as being home at Monster Mansion with a bowl of my delicious Count Chocula cereal. Frankenberry's better. Pooberry's best. Oh, Count Chocula. Frankenberry. Frankenberry. Look for more Monster Record adventures in specially marked boxes of Count Chocula. Frankenberry and Blueberry cereals.